day and welcome to the ESPN Media Conference Call Monday Night Football. Today's call is being recorded. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to Bill Hoffheimer. Please go ahead, sir. Thanks, Eric. Uh, welcome, everybody, to our ESPN call today. Uh, we're here for the 47th season of Monday Night Football and the 11th on ESPN. Uh, kicks off September 12th with a doubleheader. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Washington Redskins at 6.55, followed by the L.A. Rams at the San Francisco 49ers at 10.15. The broadcast team that will work the Steelers-Redskins game in the remainder of our 2016 Monday Night Football schedule, including the a wild-card playoff game in the 2017 Pro Bowl, is here today. We have Sean McDonough, who will make his regular season debut in the Monday Night Football booth in that Steelers-Redskins game, as well as John Gruden, Lisa Salters, and our Monday Night producer, Jay Rothman. I'll give each of them the chance to offer some brief opening remarks about the Monday night season, and then we'll get right into the media questions. Just a reminder, we'll have a full audio replay and a transcript of this call available later today at ESPN Media Zone. Uh, Jay, we'll kick things off with you. Good morning, everybody. Our team is very fired up to start this NFL season, and obviously it's a new Monday night football for us. Um, as everyone knows, we lost Mike Tirico our longtime colleague, brother, and a tremendous talent. And we all wish Mike the best um, in his future with NBC. At the same time, we gained another longtime uh, colleague, a longtime brother, and a, a tremendous talent in Sean McDonough. We're very excited to have Sean with us. As uh, many of you know and those of you who don't know, Sean is a pro. He's a great voice, a great call, smart, quick, a great sense of humor probably even more of a, a one who bust chops more so than coach Gruden himself. Um, we're all aware of uh we're all aware of Sean's history, uh how far back his association with the NFL goes through his great dad Will, um his brother who works for the Arizona Cardinals, he has a huge passion for the NFL and for Monday Night Football and a great respect for Monday Night Football and we are very fired up to have Sean with us. John, as you all know, has established himself as a premier analyst uh, in sports television. And just as he was as a Super Bowl-winning head coach, the things that got him that Super Bowl trophy are what makes him great at this job. Uh, he's smart, creative, a great innovator. Uh, his work ethic is second to none. Just as it was as an NFL coach, he brings the same work ethic to Monday Night Football and coaches all of, all of us up. And... Uh, as you all know, too, he, he, he can bust, bust chops with the best of them and loves to laugh. Um, Lisa, who is on the sidelines with us again, a consummate pro, a journalist, great sensibilities, and does a great job keeping us all in check. Um, we're very excited about our new team. The camaraderie is there. We've got to spend some great time together in the off season and in the preseason. And, uh, as we all know, too, chemistry takes time. And where Mike and John got after seven years together in the booth, you know, uh, hopefully it will not take that long with Sean and John, but uh, we expect great things for the two of them and, more importantly, a great listen for fans. Um, and I take great comfort um, with our respect and fondness for each other that we've uh, uh, had in the last several months and obviously take great comfort in the continuity we have in the truck. I am fortunate to partner with my director, uh, Chip Dean. He and I, this will be our 26th season together, and um, 
and we're just as excited as ever um, to get going. Um, our schedule brings us uh, some great games, some we're very excited about, excited to be kicking off in Washington, excited in our week three game to celebrate the game we had 10 years ago with the reopening of the Superdome in New Orleans, and uh, probably on a personal note for me, I'm very excited about our game in Mexico City. I've taken a couple of trips there over the summer uh, to see the facility, meet the people. Um, it is going to be a very, very special evening in Mexico City. Um, it'll be a great spectacle. World Cup meets the NFL. It'll be a very unique scene and a unique weekend for us um, to showcase that game. So uh, we're, we're, we're excited and fired up to get going. Thanks, Jay. Uh, we'll go to Sean. Thanks, Bill. I'm tempted to bust Jay already. I, I don't know if we have time for any more comments before we get to the Q&A after that very comprehensive overview of our season of telecast. Uh, just kidding, of course. I am very humbled and honored to be joining this iconic sports television franchise. Uh, you know, it's been repeated to me many times that I'm just the fifth play-by-play -play person in the history of Monday Night Football, and I still have a hard time wrapping my mind around that, particularly when the four who have done this before, Keith Jackson, Frank Gifford, Al Michaels, and Mike Tirico, all of whom are Hall of Fame broadcasters or will be. Uh, I could only echo what Jay said about our group. We've had a great opportunity to spend time together in the offseason and in the preseason. I've known Jay and Chip for a long time, probably almost 30 years, and I'm well aware of their work. And I've known John a little bit and Lisa, admired them mostly from afar, but I would echo what Jay said. Having spent a lot of time with them this summer, uh, it's going to be even more fun than I thought, and I knew from talking to Mike that it was going to be a tremendous amount of fun. They're both great people, fun to be around, great teammates, uh, work incredibly hard at their job. So I'm excited to get going. It seems like it's been taking forever for September 12th to get here, at least for me, but it's right around the corner now, and I'm more than fired up about it. Thanks, Sean. Go ahead, John. Uh, yes, good morning, everyone. Just uh, very excited about the upcoming season, the team that we have, and uh, looking forward to working with Sean. I think he's uh, not only a great guy, but he's, he's got a great voice. I can imitate that voice. I've been working on that carefully in the backyard. But uh, looking forward <laughs> to the season. I love football, and uh look forward to seeing you guys in all of our travels. Thanks, John. And go ahead, Lisa. Um, hey, everybody. Uh, this will be my fifth fifth uh, year on the sidelines for Monday Night Football, and uh, I couldn't be more comfortable with uh, uh, the great crew that I'm honored to work with um, and uh, with the teams uh, and with the game itself. So I'm really looking forward to uh, just even taking it another level up with, uh, with, with my work and just trying to get better. Um, John continues to be uh, a great teacher. Jay and Chip continue to be great leaders. And like Sean said, even though we've never worked together before, his reputation certainly uh, speaks for, its, for itself uh, as being a great play-by-play -play man. So I'm looking forward to that aspect of this season as well. Um, so, you know, I know, you know it's probably hard to understand, but uh, it just keeps getting better at Monday Night Football, and I'm looking forward to this season. Thanks, Lisa. Uh, we'll go right into the media questions now. We'll start with John Keim, uh, our Redskins reporter for ESPN, followed by Barry Jackson at the Miami Herald. Go ahead, John. 
Thanks. This is for John Gruden. John, you spent some time with Kirk Cousins this offseason. Um, I'm curious, coming off the year he did, what differences you saw in him just working with him for a few days, and what are your expectations for him this season and why? Well, I just, he's, he's experienced now. He went through one full season as a starter. I think he took the bull by the horns in the offseason. He took the reins of this offense and really established himself as the leader on this football team. He has more input. He's got more hands-on experience, better understanding of what he likes. And I think his communication with Jay Gruden, Sean McVay, the offensive staff is going to be better. And uh, if they continue to improve around him, I think he'll be uh, a quarterback that continues to stay on the rise. Thank you. Okay, we'll go to Barry Jackson at the Miami Herald, followed by Barry Horn at the Dallas Morning News. Thanks, Bill. John, at this time last year, I think you were optimistic about the Dolphins, as were a lot of people. Do you still feel that optimism, or might they be another 6-10 and ten type team? Yeah, I, was, uh, I, was, I wasn't good last year in the Dolphin prognostication charts. Um, I'm going I'm to play it by what I see this year. Um, they've got a lot of new faces, not only in the coaching staff and in their offensive and defensive systems, but a lot of new personnel that they're counting on heavily. I'm, I'm most concerned about the Dolphins' secondary. I want to see how they play at the corner position and um, how Mario Williams and Dominican Sue play in that Miami Heat. Can they get a fourth-quarter pass rush? Can the corners uh, hold up for 16 weeks? And can Tannehill do it consistently in a new offense? And, you know, I hate to give you one more. I just haven't seen enough from the offensive line this summer. Uh, I was expecting more. I, I want to see that group pick it up as well. Thanks, John. Okay, we'll go to Barry Horn in Dallas, followed by Richard Deitch at, at Sports Illustrated. Yeah, good morning. Uh, this is for John Gruden. Uh, I know you spent some time with Dak Prescott. Uh, how did you have him rated before the draft, and what should the Cowboys expect from him as the season uh, moves on? Well, we spent a lot of time with Dak before the Senior Bowl, and then obviously we did a quarterback <clears throat> camp show with him right. at ESPN. Uh, he was the one real dual threat in this year's draft, and what I loved about Prescott is he, he got progressively better throughout his career at Mississippi State. He improved as a passer dramatically from year two to three, three to four, and I really like the fact that he finished. He's not one of these guys that came out two years early. He finished. Uh, he won at Mississippi State, which is really unprecedented. Uh, that's a tough league to win in, let alone at Mississippi State. He had some Donovan McNabb-like qualities. I coached McNabb in the Senior Bowl when he was coming out of Syracuse. Similar size, uh, similar option football background. And I think you're seeing a little bit Donovan McNabb dual threat physical stature type traits throughout the preseason. I'm not shocked that he's played this well. Uh, I am stunned, however, that he looks like the opening day starter for the Dallas Cowboys. Do you, do you think uh, he'll have problems with NFL defenses early? Well, the, the thing that he does to NFL defenses, uh, as you know, after watching Cam Newton and some of these dual-threat quarterbacks like Tyrod Taylor, is you're just not allowed to do the things you want to do against these running quarterbacks. Trust me, the playbook is going to change in Dallas. You're going to see quarterback-driven runs. You're going to see option football, whether you like it or not. And that regulates what a defense can do. And one thing the Cowboys are certainly going to do is they're going to run the ball right down your throat, and they're going to command an eight-man front 
which is going to give Prescott some of these one-on-one isolations to guys like Ted Bryant and Jason Witten, who I've already seen uh, dominate in the preseason. Prescott can be really hard to defend because of his dual threat abilities and what he does to defense as he makes you play assignment football. Thank you. Okay, we'll go to Richard at Sports Illustrated, followed by Daniel Holloway at Variety. Go ahead, Richard. Uh, yeah, Jay, have you made a decision as to the broadcast team for the second half of the Monday Night Football doubleheader? And if you have, why the decision to assign whoever you've assigned? Uh, Chris Berman, Steve Young, and Lindsey Zarniak are, are going to be doing the game. Um, Lindsey has done the uh, sideline reporting for the last couple of years and has done a great job, a huge NFL fan. And she'll do a great job. Uh, Chris and Steve have a great working relationship together. Obviously, the game is in San Francisco. Um, Steve and Chris are longtime friends, longtime colleagues, longtime pros. Um, Steve will do a great job. Chris will do a great job. Chris has been, as you know, the uh, face and voice of our NFL for uh, since we've had it and uh, uh, really enjoys the heck out of doing the game. And those guys will do a they'll do a fine job. Thank you, Justin. Thank you. Okay, we'll go to uh, Dan Holloway at Variety, followed by Ray Fittipaldo at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Hey, Jay, if um, if Kaepernick sits through the anthem in the Forty ers Rams game, uh, as he said he will, uh, will you guys cover that within the broadcast? And if so, how? Yeah, we absolutely would. You know, the timing is such that. Um, I guess, first of all, Kaepernick has to make the 53-man team, so that's two weeks away, so we don't know that yet. But the timing is such that because it's a doubleheader game, we do not cover the anthem. Uh, We will not cover the anthem live in the second game regardless. However, that doesn't mean we couldn't record it and report it. And I think our job, especially with the whole Kaepernick deal, is, you know, it's our job to document and report the game. And those who are working on the game – if Kaepernick is on the team and chooses to sit again, I'm sure they will get perspective from Kaepernick. They'll get perspective from Chip Kelly. They'll get perspective from others and report. Um, so that's how we would uh, we'll, we'll handle that in San Francisco. Okay. Thanks, Jay. Lisa, I don't know if you wanted to add anything on that. As a reporter assigned to, you know, you won't be working that particular game, but how you would handle that situation on the sidelines? Well, I think Jay said it perfectly, that our job is to document and report what happens. Uh, Lindsay will be the reporter for that game, and I'm sure she's going to spend a bit of time talking to Colin uh, before the game, should he make the team, uh, about his position. Uh, she will she will get his reaction about why, uh, about the criticism that he's gotten, uh, about the support that he's gotten, and uh, she will, you know, present a report based on that and based on what actually happens during during the national anthem. I mean, he, he may stand during the national anthem, and then that would make news as well because it would be uh, going against what he said he was going to do. And so, you know, like Jay said, our job is to document and report what happens, and I think they'll do a great job. Thanks. Uh, we'll go to Ray uh, at Pittsburgh, followed by David Barron at the Houston Chronicle. Go ahead, Ray. Uh, this question is for John. Uh, John, how has Mike Tomlin grown as a head coach since you had him on your staff in Tampa? And the second part of that question is he's already at 92 wins. Um, given how the Steelers like continuity within their, their coaching, um, 
you know, is he a guy who could possibly win, you know, more than 150 games in this league? Well, he's a really good coach, obviously, and uh, he gets players to respond. He's been able to adapt to change. You know, I look at their defense. I don't see the formidable nose tackle like I've seen for decades there with most recently Casey Hampton. I don't see the shutdown corner and Ike Taylor. Uh, Pablo Malo, the, the daredevil safety is not there. They've changed their defense. They do a, an incredible amount of overload zone blitzing. I've even seen them go to some of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer over front 4-3 principles that, that I remember seeing him run here. Uh, and offensively, let's be honest, the rubber meets the road uh, in Pittsburgh with Roethlisberger and the skill that they have. Uh, they're going to win games. Uh, regardless, as long as number seven stays healthy and they surround him with the arsenal that they have. Uh, you could say Roethlisberger's as good as anybody playing. Uh, I personally think Le'Veon Bell is the best back in all of football, and I, I got Antonio Bryant, number one on my team also. So they are loaded, uh, and they can outscore you. And if their defense can uh, continue to be creative and find ways to, to get stops, they're going to be in the playoffs again, and it's a credit to Mike, certainly, and their entire organization. Okay, we'll go to uh, David Barron in Houston, followed by uh, Nikki at the Denver Post. Go ahead, David. Uh, thanks, Bill. John, I know you're familiar with the Texans' rather checkered history of quarterback. I was curious what you think Osweiler will do to uh, set himself apart from that uh, unfortunate group. <laughs> Well, let's hope, hope for the best. It's a, you know, it's a lot of pressure on a young quarterback, uh, to sign a big contract and become a full-fledged starter without a big body of work. Uh, this is, this really hasn't been done very many times where a man changes teams, signs a lucrative contract to become the franchise quarterback with only a half a dozen starts to his name. So first of all, he's got to apply pressure and not feel pressure. And he's got to stay focused on what Bill O'Brien wants him to do. And I think just utilize, first of all, his great defense. Don't turn the ball over. Uh, I think they gave up less than 10 points a game the last half of the season. So you're, you have the, the beneficiary of a great defense. Uh, you're going to have a creative attack with Bill O'Brien, and they've added some weapons. I like what I see from Fuller in the preseason. I think Braxton Miller is going to be a huge wild card. And DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best receivers in football, uh, just like Antonio Brown. So he's in a great situation. Just don't feel the pressure. Apply the pressure. Take care of the football and use your supporting cast in this offensive system. Thank you. Okay, we'll go to Nikki, followed by Zach Berman at the Philly Inquirer. Yeah, this is for John. Uh, what have you seen out of Trevor Simeon, and do you think he can even make the Broncos offense better, given their struggles last season? You know, it's it's another quarterback that, for for the most part, is obscure. You know, you can look at the preseason all you want, but preseason football is 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 not a real good gauge for how a first time starter is going to get treated in the NFL. The thing I like about Trevor is he's been with Kubiak for over a year now. He's had a chance to sit in the meetings. He's had a chance to watch Peyton Manning and Brock Osweiler play, and they do have some really good players, uh, particularly at the skill positions. And, you know, I just think if they can take care of the ball and be productive in the red zone, 
they're going to be a hard team to deal with because of this defense. And, you know, they, they weren't an explosive, consistent offense last year, and they won the Super Bowl. So if Trevor can play solid football, take care of the ball, and use his support, uh, I think Denver can, can win some ugly games early uh, while this kid continues to progress and show the world what he's all about. Okay, we'll go to uh, to Zach in Philadelphia, followed by Jesse Darty at the L.A. Times. Hey, John, how do you think Doug Peterson has handled the quarterback situation so far in Philadelphia, and what makes you think this year is going to be any different for Sam Bradford? Well, first of all, I like what Bradford's doing in the preseason. He was on fire the other night against Indianapolis. Um, I think the system, the West Coast system, will suit him. I also think the incorporation of some of the college zone reads, uh, not that they're going to use Sam as a runner, but the spread offensive system that Peterson ran while he was in Kansas City is going to help the offense in general. Um, I don't know where Philadelphia is going with their quarterbacks, honestly. Uh, Chase Daniels looks like a backup quarterback to me. I think he's going to be ready if called upon. The game I saw against Tampa, Carson Wentz got peppered way too many times. He got hit furiously. Uh, hopefully he gets well. He's missing a lot of time to develop, and uh, that's concerning. So I don't know if if you have a choice this year. I think Doug Peterson has all his uh, eggs in one basket, if you ask me. It's all on Sam Brad. Thank you. Okay, we'll go to Jesse in L.A., followed by Pete Doherty at the uh, Albany Times Union. Hey, this is for John. Uh, there are seven teams that have an opening week starter that they didn't have a year ago. Does that seem like an unusually high number? And the second part of that question would be, is it surprising that none of those teams are the ones who picked a quarterback in the first round, the past draft? <laughs> yeah, that's surprising for sure. Um, but, look, there's so many different head coaches every year and different coordinators. You might as well have new quarterbacks. Uh, it's, a, it's an incredible league right now, the way that it churns out new talent at quarterback offensive coordinator, and head coach. And uh, you don't get very long to establish yourself. So some of these new starters, they have to do what Kirk Cousins and Tyrod Taylor did a year ago. You know, Jameis Winston, uh, Marcus Mariota, I thought they did an excellent job coming in here as first-year players. I love what Fitzpatrick did with the Jets. So you can look at what happened a year ago, and you can say it's probably not impossible to expect these several guys to come in and play well. Thanks a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll go to Pete in Albany, followed by uh, Jerry McDonald at the Mercury News. Uh, question for Sean. Sean, if you're still on the uh, call. Uh, Sean, a couple decades ago, you you know you had the uh, a chance to uh, do baseball for CBS uh, uh, Major Spotlight. Did you ever think you'd get another opportunity to have a, uh, a shot at a uh, major package like uh, Monday Night Football? Well, I had hoped so. It was a long time ago that I did the World Series, as you know, Pete. It was 92 and 93. And, you know, I was very happy to be doing what I was doing. You know, I had a chance to do a lot of great college football and basketball games, uh, major golf championships around the world. But I did feel like I was one rung sort of below where I had been when I was doing the World Series. And, you know, with the passage of time, you know, you look at the landscape. I loved being at ESPN. I wanted to stay at ESPN. But we had, you know, Brent Musburger for a long time as our number one college football uh, play-by-play man. There was no reason to change that. Then when he moved to the uh, SEC network, you know, they promoted Chris Fowler, to be totally candid. That was one I 
was hoping that I might get when it opened, but I certainly understand the reasons why anybody would want to hire Chris. He's one of the most talented guys in our business and exceptionally important to ESPN. So, you know, when that one went by, I was in my, I guess, early 50s. You know, you do start to wonder. But I, you know, as much as you'd like one more shot at sort of the top rung, um, I chose to feel blessed for what I had because what I had was awesome and uh, mostly because of the people that I was working with. You know, when you're around Jay Billis and Bill Raftery, our producer was Bo Garrett for all those years, and you're around Chris Spielman and Todd McShay and people like that. Uh, you know, to me, as my life went along, it was I got less ambitious, I guess, and more grateful that I got to work all the time with people that I really love and care about and who are great at what they do. And that's the wonderful thing about this for me, not, not just that it is a step up in terms of the prominence of the role, but again, I know that I'm working with great people. You know, Jay's been a friend, as I said, for about 30 years, and Chip Dean as well, and you know, I know that John and Lisa are going to become great friends. I think we already have, quite frankly, and uh, so I wasn't sure. You know, I, I, I'm 54 years old, so yeah, the clock was sort of ticking, but I'm grateful that they've given me this opportunity and certainly well aware of the standard that's been set by the people who have filled this role before me. And you know, I'm going to do everything that I can to uphold the uphold the high standard that you know viewers of Monday Night Football have become accustomed to for 46 years. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Okay, we'll go to Jerry McDonald uh, at the Mercury News, followed by Joe Person at the Charlotte Observer. John, uh, Cam Newton had a season last year where you know incredible season, MVP, really excitable. Um, then it kind of bottomed out in the Super Bowl game where he doesn't die for a loose ball. He's pretty sullen after the game. I'm curious as to what you think about how he'll bounce back from that, what you expect to see from him this year. And as an aside, just quickly, what do you think of the whole concept of the Las, of the Las Vegas Raiders? <laughs> well, you know, I'm confident that Cam will bounce back. He's proven he has thick skin. He's not been criticized just once. Uh, but he is a dynamic talent, uh, certainly almost impossible to defend. You don't know how to defend Carolina's offense. You have no idea what plays that they can run uh, with this quarterback that can do the things he can do. Uh, I'm sure he's going to use it as motivation. Uh, that's the way I looked at it. But in regards to the Raiders, the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, you know, I don't know, man. That's uh, that's that's. That's that's hard for even me to imagine, Jerry. Uh, the Oakland Raiders has a real place in my heart. I'd hate to see them leave. Uh, I love where they are. I love the tradition of the Raiders. And uh, I'm getting teared up right now thinking about them moving. But uh, I certainly understand their situation. And uh, I hope it all works out for them. If Las Vegas was to acquire the rights to the Oakland Raiders, that would uh, certainly... I think uh be interesting. Thank you. And I think I think uh Joe Person is no longer in the call. Uh so let's go to or Orlando Ledbetter at the Atlanta Journal Constitution, followed by John Glennon at the Tennessean. Right. Yes, for Coach, uh, have you seen uh a trend with uh Wentz and golf this year probably sitting whereas last year Winston and Mariota were able to play uh, the old school sitting versus the, uh, you know, some of the guys the last couple of years being able to get out and play as young quarterbacks. 
Yeah, good morning. I think, uh, you know, every, every situation is different. Uh, you know, these quarterbacks that come into the league are, are so different than they were five, six, seven years ago. It's incredible. As far as golf goes, he's never been in a huddle, never called a play, wasn't asked to do a lot with his snap count. Uh, look, there's a, an incredible amount of information that he has to learn and distribute and execute, and it might take him some time. And he's only a true junior. This is just a puppy. Uh, Wentz, he's been derailed already by injury. Unfortunately, at the quarterback position, that often costs you dearly uh, when it's time to lace him up. So I, I think both these guys could certainly use some time to watch, see the league closely, uh, and learn. Uh, and I know there's going to be pressure, serious pressure, from both fan bases to play these guys, given what these teams gave up. It'll be fun to watch and monitor that. Thanks, Coach. You got it. Have a good one. All right. Okay, we'll, we'll go to uh, John Glennon at the Tennessee and followed by Karen Hogan at Sports Video Group. Hey, John. I uh, wonder if you could uh, give me your early impressions of the second new running backs, uh, DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry, and, and come along the same lines if you think that Maybe in a league that's designed largely to stop the pass, that could increase the effectiveness potentially of a kind of a power running team. You know, this is the one team I spent a lot of time on uh, in the in the preseason studying because it's just it's fun to watch uh, a team go back to the way it was. Uh, there, there's a song I like to listen to called "The Way We Were." Uh, it, that's what I feel like I sing when I watch the Titans play. I'm seeing old school gaps. Schemes, Russ Grimm, the offensive line coach, they look like the old Washington Redskins under Joe Gibbs. You see shifts, you see all kind of different power counter gap schemes, and you see big backs that get downhill. I like Murray. I've always liked Murray a lot. I think he can run it. He can catch it. He's outstanding picking up blitzes, and he gets better as the game unfolds. He can finish you. And Henry is uncommonly huge. He is one of the biggest backs I've ever seen. He doesn't look like a tailback. He looks like a power forward to me. Uh, they got a one-two combination that can really punish you. Uh, I'm interested in, in Tennessee. I think it stimulated uh, the football team. I think their defense is playing better because they practice against this every day. And uh, the wild card will be Marcus Mariota. He can really play. And uh, his running and passing with this running game could get interesting. Thank you. Okay, we'll go to uh, Karen at Sports Video Group, followed by Matthew Paris at the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Hey, guys. Uh, question for Jay. Last year you guys added the pylon cams and some high frame rate 1080p and 4K gear. Uh, how did these additions really enhance your coverage, and are there any new production elements for this season? You know what? We're standing pat in terms of cameras. Um, and recording devices, the 4Ks help a ton, especially on goal line and goal line situations. The pylon cams helped um, in critical situations, especially there was one catch we had in Miami with Odell Beckham that really determined the, uh, the, uh, determined the call um, of a uh, no catch, actually a catch, a touchdown. So they helped us tremendously. That'll be back. The one little wrinkle where adding this year is virtual technology um, through our SkyCam. And um, 
and I just went through a session this morning of all of the rending, renderings we're going to have for that, and that's pretty exciting. But other than that, we're standing pat. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Well, well thanks, Jay. We'll go to uh, Matthew at the uh, Richmond Times-Dispatch, followed by Jim Wyatt uh, with uh, Tennessee Titans. Uh, hi, Sean. I was just wondering if there's any adjustment you have to make working with John and maybe some of your other um, uh, assignments in the past, that sort of thing. Uh, well, it's an interesting question. I, I, it is the first time I've worked with somebody who actually has offered that he does do a good imitation of me, and he does. I mean, he's not Frank Caliendo yet, but it's pretty good. And uh, so, uh, you know, I just think John, you know, as Jay said at the beginning, has established himself as one of the premier analysts in not just football and sports. And you know, I think the the thing that I want to do, and John and I talked about after the one preseason game we had a chance to do, was, you know, make it conversational and make it fun. You know, he's got the football part buttoned up as much, if not more, than anybody I've ever seen, and I've never seen anybody with the work ethic that he has. But I think, uh, you know, just try to kind of bring Monday Night Football back to uh, what it was at the in its beginnings, which was a lot of fun. I know he and Mike had a lot of fun. I just would like to keep that going because John is a great uh, personality and sense of humor and, uh, I think you, you see that when you watch them both on the games and on the QB camps. Thanks. Great. We'll go to uh, Jim, followed by Kyle Martin with the Oakland Raiders. John, I know you just touched on the Titans. I was going to see if you could elaborate a little bit more on Marcus Mariota. I know you've been high on him. Just expectations for year two, and, and how far is he from climbing into maybe the upper tier of quarterbacks in the league? Well, I really liked him coming out. Uh, I think uh, you probably haven't had a chance to cover him, realize that he is very special. He is a special young man. His work ethic, his, uh, I think, compassion for his teammates and all that stuff. The intangibles are off the charts. And, and, I, and I think uh, his, his experience that he got last year, understanding protections, understanding NFL defenses, personnel matchups, uh, what is the best play against that coverage? What are the plays I have to get out of? And how do I eliminate the hits? He's the one player that can't play with a sore right shoulder. So I think he learned a lot of those things the hard way. And if you know Marcus, you know that 2-14 and 14 doesn't sit well with him. This is a kid that really has never lost. I'd be shocked if they don't make dramatic improvements in Tennessee. And the team won five games the last two years. What is a dramatic improvement in Tennessee, you think? Well, they got to get an identity on offense. You know, I think this running game is going to help them because it's going to get some time of possession. It's going to hopefully give Tennessee 33, 32 and a half minutes of clock, take pressure off of their defense. And I think the, the physical identity of a Titan uh, running game uh, we'll set up the play-action passes, the bootlegs, and the explosive plays that you need to have as, as a good offense. And hopefully Dick LeBeau in year two, uh, they've added some pieces that can apply pressure and get some critical third-down stops when they need them. But uh, those, those are the big things. You know, they need to improve on defense, certainly. Uh, they, they blitzed a lot under Coach Horton prior to Dick LeBeau getting there. Uh, they got to show improvement on defense. they got to prove they can run the ball like they have in the preseason, and they're going to have to make some shot plays in their play action and their bootlegs. Thank you. Great. We'll go to Kyle with OaklandRaiders.com and then um, 
we'll go to Anthony Valesteros. Uh, go ahead, Kyle. Uh, good morning, guys. I, uh, I just wanted to ask you what you believe uh, Derek Carr will do in his third year in the league and where his what the expectations lie for this team going forward. Go ahead, John. Take that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, John. I mean, I think you I don't know who the question was intended for, but I'm sure uh, given your connection to it, you're better positioned to give an answer they'd want to hear than I would. Well, I think, uh, you know, everything you, you see about the Raiders, this is a year for them to take a giant step forward. I mean, there's quarterback transition in Denver. The Broncos have lost some key players. Uh, Kansas City's had some injuries. Uh, I think the slate is, is pretty clean right now in the AFC West, and it's, it's about time that Oakland, uh, I think, backs it up. They've got some good players in place. Coach Del Rio's done a nice job, obviously, and, Look, Derek Carr's got some weapons. You, you have to love Cooper. you got to like Crabtree. I think Wilford is coming on. But most importantly, they've solidified the offensive line. They bring in Hudson. They bring in the big guard from the Ravens. they got Donald Penn, my old guy from Tampa. This is a salty group that can run the rock with Murray. And uh, Khalil Mack, one of the best closers in the fourth quarter. And, and I even see Janikowski still kicking. Hell, I drafted Janikowski, so uh, you can tell I get excited talking about the Raiders. This ought to be a good year for them. Yeah, I would add to that if I could, Bill and John. Go ahead, uh, John, please. You know, this time of the year we get asked a lot about predictions for the season, and Oakland has definitely been a trendy pick to be a team that will take a big step forward, and I really think that they will. They played Arizona in the beginning of the preseason. My brother is the vice president of player personnel for the Cardinals, and I talked to Terry after the game, and he just echoed what people have been saying. You know, Oakland has a lot of talent, and uh, he thinks they're going to have a terrific year. So I would uh, expect that they will, given you know what John just said. I will say this, too. We are really excited to have the Raiders on Monday Night Football. It'll be the first uh, Monday Night Football game ever. Uh, outside American soil, we're going to go to Mexico City, and I'll be doing my McDonough imitations out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> can you do it in Spanish? <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> All right, we'll go to Anthony, and then we'll go to Dan Steinberg at the Washington Post. Go ahead, Anthony. Hey, guys, it's an honor to be on the call with you. Um, John, you just uh, talked about Derek Carr a little bit. Um, in 2014, you said he had the best arm talent in the draft, uh, and last year he made the Pro Bowl. Which quarterback from this year's draft do you think you could fo- could follow a similar path? And then for all you guys, um, which young quarterback are you looking forward to seeing this year? Well, Carr, uh, he broke all of my cameras when we had our Roots QB camp. He had a, we had the bullseye. We had a little camera right in the bullseye, hit the bullseye three times in a row. We couldn't film any more of the shoot. I don't think there's anybody in this draft that throws a ball like Carr. He's one of those guys that comes down the pike every so often. Uh, it's time for him, I think, to take his next step. But uh, in this year's draft, look, we already talked about the first two guys. It appears that Wentz and Goff are going to sit down and watch. Connor Cook's in a tough situation, uh, sitting behind Derek Carr in Oakland. You know, Prescott is the one guy that uh, has a chance to really flourish because he has the opportunity, number one, and the supporting cast, number two. 
the Cowboys are loaded up front on offense. You would you would love to have that group to play quarterback behind from Tyron Smith to Doug Free and Frederick. This this is an outstanding offensive team and uh they can run the ball and they have the weapons outside. So I would I would say Prescott this year would be the guy to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, Anthony, I, I think the guy I'm most curious to see what happens with him as the season progresses is Jared Goff. We were just in Los Angeles for our preseason game a couple of weeks ago and spent some time with him. And you know, obviously they didn't make a huge trade to have him sit on the bench for a long period of time. I think it's a foregone conclusion at some point he will be the number one quarterback. And you know, that's a tremendous amount on him. You know, the the uh, Rams moved back to Los Angeles for, you know, after two decades plus being away, and there's great anticipation there, as we saw when we were there with almost 90,000 people at the exhibition game uh, for their return. And uh, I, I think it's a lot on a young man who, as John mentioned when we were doing the game, you know, still has a lot to learn in terms of, of the differences between professional football and college football. So, you know, how he progresses uh, and when he gets the opportunity, I think will be very interesting to watch. And I think it's very important to a lot of people because Jeff Fisher and Les Snead are kind of getting to the point in their tenure where you know, they've done a very nice job of building it back up and making the team competitive. But as they said when we were out there, you know, now they have to contend, not just be competitive. And, you know, I think it's a, it's a tough thing perhaps to do if you have to throw a, a guy in there who's never played in an NFL game before at your most important position. Great. We'll go to uh, Dan Steinberg at the Washington Post, and then we've got a question for Mark Donaldson at the Providence Journal. Go ahead, Dan. Hey guys, this is uh, for John. Um, John, I know you've you've covered your brother Jay's games before, obviously, but now your son is also on staff uh, here with the Redskins. I, I would think you'd have to be like a robot not to root for your brother and your son. So I'm just curious how you approach these games as an analyst. Well, you know, fortunately, it's not the first time that I've, that I've done this. He was the offensive coordinator for the Bengals on Monday night, and uh, obviously, the head coach of the Redskins the last couple of years. My son is an intern. Uh, he, he wants to be a coach, so he's hanging out down there learning the ropes uh, like I did years ago. But, uh, you know, blood is thick in our family, just like it is across America. Uh, you want your brother, you want your family to be at their best and have good things happen to them. But at the same time, i got to be professional uh, and broadcast a football game. And I look forward to this one. It should be an outstanding matchup. And uh, I know the crowd will be excited. It's a, it's a really cool venue uh, to see the Redskins play on Monday night at home. Can, can I also ask, your year two for your brother here went so dramatically better than the first year did. I'm, I'm just curious if you've seen changes in him as a head coach or, or as a football mind or just as a guy over the last couple of years. Well, we spend, you know, a lot, quite a bit of time together. I think, you know, the team he inherited – uh, that's honestly had some holes in it. You know, they had some issues uh, in personnel and uh, whatever. They, they obviously had to fight through the quarterback situation a year ago. Uh, I admire him tremendously for uh, being able to assemble a staff. You know, that's the number one thing a head coach has to do. He's got to get a good staff, and you can't get it your first year. You just don't snap your fingers and get everybody out of their contract and bring them with you. Uh, but it says a lot about Jay. Uh, he had the foresight to hire Sean McVay, who I think is going to be excellent. He, he, he was able able to get Bill Callahan from the Dallas Cowboys, Perry Fuel from the New York Giants, Matt Cavanaugh. He's got Joe Barry. He's brought in some really good coaches. 
and he's implemented his system that works for Andy Dalton. As a rookie, he went to the playoffs. Uh, I don't know many quarterback coaches or offensive guys that see a rookie go to the playoffs in his first, uh, you know, as a starter, second round pick, and then first year Cousins plays wire to wire. He goes to the playoffs and breaks numerous team records. So I look, I can sing my brother's play praises all day long. I'm proud of him, and I uh, have high expectations uh, for him if he doesn't win a lot of games, I'll be on his case. Thank <laughs> you, appreciate it. And in that vein, too, uh, Sean, do you want to talk about the, you know, obviously we have another game on our schedule that in, involves a sibling with your brother out in Arizona on October right. 17th. Yeah, uh, how, how will you feel yeah. about this? I mean, I know how much he loves his brothers, and I feel the same way. I have two of them who are involved in professional sports at a high level. Terry is the vice president of player personnel for the Arizona Cardinals, and my, our youngest brother, Ryan, is the general manager of the Phoenix Suns. And when I watch their games, you live and die with every play. But you know, I, I would echo what John said. I think we both care more you know, in terms of when we're doing our job about the integrity of the broadcast and that you're cognizant of the fact there are a lot of people who are rooting for the other team, and you know, no viewer wants to feel like the broadcasters are pulling against their team. So... Uh, you know, I, I have had this experience a little bit on the air with Syracuse University. I mean, done so many basketball games that involve Syracuse over the years. I went there, very proud to have gone there, loved the school, loved the people there. And there are times when you do the game where you can almost feel yourself starting to get upset about a call that you think is bad that went against them. And you just can't let that come out because, again, you owe it to the, the viewers to be straight down the middle. You know, I, I would just echo what John said. I love my brothers. I want nothing but... Uh, good things to happen to them. You know, when I got this job, they were happy, happier for me than I was. You know, my brother Terry, I've told the story before, got very choked up and sent me a picture of him from the Arizona Cardinals draft room with tears in his eyes. So uh, we're very close, and I want them to do well. But, you know, when we step into the booth in October, when they're in uh, Arizona playing the Jets, you know, I will remind myself frequently that it's very important that uh, no matter what I'm feeling inside, there's no hint of bias as we call the game. Great. Thanks, Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Dan. Um, Mark Donaldson from the Province Journal had to jump to a Patriots media availability, but he did ask if we could tee up a question. He said, uh, particularly for Coach, would you give uh, how, how would you what advice would you give to someone in Garoppolo's shoes, making his first start and replacing Tom Brady for four games? So, if you want to take that question, well, just don't be Tom Brady. Just be Jimmy Garoppolo. And Nolan Garoppolo, after being around him, uh, coming out of eastern Illinois, I think he's comfortable in his own skin. He's been well-trained. He's been with Josh McDaniels and Belichick for a while. And he knows this offense. But just be true to yourself. Go out there and and put your spin on the offensive scheme. Don't try to make the decisions or try to make the throws that Brady made. Just be honest with what you like, what you don't like, what you feel good about, what you don't feel good about, and, and Find a way to win a football game and take it one one snap at a time and, you know, just go go out and play play your best. Trust your preparation. Go showcase it. Thanks, Sean. Sean, any perspective you want to share as someone who's in the Boston area and obviously, you know, keeping a well, close eye on the surprised by uh, the Patriots media availability. Uh, <laughs> uh, there are people up here who make the statement that that's an oxymoron, but I, I don't <laughs> think that it is. Uh, you know, he has tough shoes to fill. I think the schedule, the first game is really hard. Uh, you know, obviously it's impossible shoes to fill. And Tom Brady, who, in my opinion, might be the, probably is the greatest quarterback of all time. 
But, uh, you know, I, I think the game at Arizona will be very tough, and they have three home games. He strikes me, though, Jimmy does, as a you know pretty mature, poised guy. He is going to benefit from you know, not only having uh, Tom Brady to lead on as he gets ready, but you know, a Hall of Fame coach on the sidelines during the game. But uh, I think it's an important start to the season for them. Those how they how they fare in those four games without Tom will play a big part in the, the way their season goes. That's a considerable chunk of the season, obviously. Thanks, Sean. With the last question, if we can just go around to to John and Sean and Lisa and just sort of get your general thoughts on, you know, sort of teams. You know, teams that you're really looking out for, um, you know, not only in our Monday night schedule, but also just with the season overall, um, who you expect to do well, stories that you're watching closely. Well, I think the great thing about our schedule is we have a lot of unknown in the NFL right now. I think the league is set up, honestly, for everybody to, to be somewhat equal. And there's a lot of mystery. I'm anxious to see Green Bay. I think they're my team in the NFC. Uh, I think in the AFC we talked a little bit about the Oakland Raiders. Uh, I'd like to see see the Raiders uh, realize their potential. But I think there's a lot of teams that have reason for optimism and reason for concern, and I think the schedule is going to be interesting. We've got some great games, Baltimore at New England on December 12th. I'm really anxious for the Green Bay-Philly game on November 28th, and most importantly the Texans at the Raiders in Mexico City. Well, that one fires me up. Thanks, John. Sean? Yeah, I think I would go back to what Jay Rothman said at the beginning of the telecast, of this uh, conference call. You know, I think the schedule's terrific. The first thing that I did when I got the job after uh, celebrating was look at the schedule and think, wow, you know, week to week, you look forward to doing any of those games. You know, like John and Lisa and Jay, I'm really looking forward to Going to Mexico, uh, we just did a game where John Sutcliffe from ESPN Deportes joined us in Los Angeles, and he lives in Mexico City, and he echoed what Jay said about already the tremendous anticipation for that when we're there, and, and that's going to be special. And you're looking forward to going to Minnesota. Their team a lot of people isn't talking about, but they're going to be in a new stadium, and you know, I think they're a team that uh, could do a lot this season. And, you know, John mentioned it just now um you know, for me, having a chance to do a game in Foxborough will be special, having grown up going down to the old stadium in Foxborough uh, many, many times over the years with my dad. Uh, to have a chance to broadcast Monday Night Football from that spot uh, will be really emotional thinking about my dad in particular. Definitely. And, and Lisa, your thoughts? I can't wait to do them all. <laughs> Football's back. I'm ready. Let's go. Great. With that, we'll close the call. Again, just a reminder, we'll have a full audio replay and a transcript later today at ESPNMediaZone.com. I want to thank Jay and Sean and John and Lisa for being on the call, as well as the members of the media who joined us today. So uh, this concludes our call. Thanks, everyone, for participating, and uh, hope it's a great season. Thanks, Bill. Thank you, Sean. And this concludes today's call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.